0: Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse, and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Har, and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast, where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of Dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Yeah! Chicken Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go! Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so! Jake on the table and Ape on the place, no! Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical! Picking my nose don't really know if I like that. Close. Picking their brains, got their in lanes, but I like that. Yeah. Picking these guys all of these times, all of these nice stats. Nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They out that, eye, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know when the
1: Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. My co-host, Jake Anderson at JakeAndersonFF on Twitter, won't be joining us tonight. Instead, I have a guest co-host. Our second guest co-host of the Jake Has a New Baby season um, is at Dynasty Outhouse from the Trade Addicts podcast and Trade Addicts Leagues. Please check them out at Trade Addicts on Twitter or at Dynasty Outhouse um, on Twitter as well. Um, So we got to talking about a lot of different things, and one of them was talking there about the value of Gurley and Henderson in the Los Angeles Rams backfield, and I wasn't exactly happy with how concisely um, I made my argument. Basically, I rambled on and then kind of drifted off, and so I thought I'd put in a slight uh, introduction, especially since this podcast, I think the name of it's going to be, you know, editings for Chumps. It's already too long. Um, Outhouse called me out himself as someone who edits podcasts too much, and so I thought I'd try and leave most of it in anyway, so it's going to be overlong. But I I thought maybe adding an introduction could add to that as well, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the point I made on Gurley was essentially that well, everyone, I don't know if it's very obvious, but one of the ways I make up my mind about things is trying to make an argument for what everyone else isn't saying. So while everyone was arguing that Todd Gurley was fine, I tried to make an argument that Scott Barrett's yards-after-catch metrics said that Darrell Henderson should be a late first-round pick. Now we're in my small bubble. Everyone seems to be saying that Daryl Henderson is the guy you, you really want. I'm trying to make an argument that you should keep Todd Gurley. I know... That, seems almost contradictory but it's part of I guess my decision-making process especially on Twitter which is really where I just throw stuff out and see how I feel about it I test ideas it's my draft board essentially so I think I got 90% of my argument for girly in this episode but you can even hear it in the episode towards the end of it Even I don't seem to be able to agree or I'm not very excited about the argument I'm making. And that's essentially what happened. I made the best argument I could that Gurley is still a top five running back and Daryl Henderson is being overvalued. I really do think I got at least 90% of the best argument you can for Gurley into this episode. But once I've constructed it and I examine both arguments the for and against the idea that Todd Gurley is a top five running back anymore, I've kind of ended up liking the other side better. Like, I still think Todd Gurley's great. I think Doctor's predictions that he could play only another two to three years is a probably a very specific Doctor proje- projection. But for fantasy football, we really only expect three great years out of a running back from the get-go. So three years from now doesn't seem that concerning. However, given the off-season moves that the Rams made, considering that he traded up and everything else, I think their ADPs are actually fine right now. And I kind of want to underline that. Gurley's going as the running back nine or the running back ten, depending on whether you look at Dynasty ADP or redraft ADP, and that seems fine. Like there's the significant risk that some of this noise, some of this smoke has fire underneath it. And so I kind of understand that. That also means Todd Gurley has significant upside. However, if he is a top five running back and you take him in the top 12 running backs, you have gained like league winning opportunity. It's the same with Daryl Henderson. Drafting him outside the top 100 players in ADP right now and also in the late first round gives you significant upside for both. In fact, what I think right now is they actually have some wiggle room and this might actually be hot compared to some people um, even on the anti-girly train, in that I think we can put Daryl Henderson in that top five conversation. Ricky Dress, for me, is basically breaking down between the top five picks and then there's one big tier from the middle of the first round to the middle of the second round where I want J.J. Osega-Whiteside and I want Andy Isabella. So what I think I'm going to do right for myself is put Daryl Henderson into that top running back conversation. He's in there with Montgomery, Sanders, and Jacobs, um, and honestly it's kind of a coin flip between what you like between them Nicky O'Harry is my clear number one wide receiver the only one who enters that initial tier Um, in this draft class now for myself I want Harry so much I'm putting him 101 but positional value and likelihood of producing in this first year definitely means you should take a running back but where there's four of them and it's kind of hard to side between them it's made it easier for me to lean towards Harry but If I'm giving advice, I'd say pick your favorite running back of those four running backs. But it's actually fairly significant for me to put Henderson in that group because it means he's in that top five tier. He's no longer in that muddy, big second tier from the middle of the first round to the middle of the second round. And that's higher than I think I've seen most people talking about him. Gurley, on the other hand, I think he's right there. Like, if he drops much further, he's going to just be value, and the risk is going to disappear. Like, I still want him at the end of the first round in startups. I still want him in the top 10, top 12 running backs. There is significant risk, but the upside is fairly likely to at least have a, a high floor, and there is that potential of him being something like Todd Gurley since he is Todd Gurley again which gives you incredible upside as well and so I think that, that value is fine my concern um now result rides in where those ADPs are going to go if Gurley keeps dropping and Henderson keeps increasing my value meter is going to flip over but for right now and I'm going to have to come in and I hate it I can't tell you how much I hate coming in on a bandwagon that's not for an undrafted free agent at least because I love those kind of bandwagons but uh, this kind of bandwagon is normally not the one I try to join but I think that's just where the logic is landing me having examined both of the best arguments I can make for either side so I just wanted to clear that up um, in a six minute introduction which is way too long apologize for that um, let's get to the episode here. Dynasty OutHouse talk for a while because he's much more fun than me, obviously. Um thanks again to OutHouse for coming on the show. Thanks to you guys for listening. Um, let's get to it. Thanks.
0: You want to start over?
1: No, I really don't. <laughs> I'm just getting you in the mood for the um, incredibly difficult, awkward,
0: meandering way that I talk to people. Uh, now oh, you know what's going it on was me. so much fun. I don't, <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, you you've experienced it, right? Hey, yeah, it was our most that, that listened again. to
0: show for not a while. A... So
1: <clears throat> I hate the I'm pretending to be a radio guy, <laughs> cuz I'm not. Anyway. <clears throat> Good stop. I quit. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I just outhouse made me retire. No. Um Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at p a howdy on Twitter. I'm normally joined by my co-host at Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. Unfortunately, he's not available right now because he's too busy dadding. I'll, I'll remember the right verb, but they've got a new they've got a new baby in the house, and that pretty much means that Jake has less sleep than I do under his belt, which is actually a pretty hard accomplishment to achieve. So, congratulations, to Jake, for beating that record i guess this intro already went off the rails so i'm just going to move r- right the hell on to the fact that my co-host is uh at dynasty outhouse otherwise known as mr outhouse outhouse or any version of outhouse that you care to call him according to him in the pre-show and um, thanks for joining me mr outhouse um who are you what do you do what's your pod- podcast called tell us <laughs>
0: It's a pleasure to be here, and yes, Jake, uh, congrats on the sex, so good job on that. I hadn't even thought uh, of going go in there, man. I'm at Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, Jake was feeling pretty confident that once again there's uh, going to be another Crossroads episode <laughs> where he doesn't actually get zinged, and then you come with the with that. That's fantastic.
0: Wouldn't be a Crossroads episode if Jake didn't get zinged, so there you go.
1: Actually, I think we're 0 for 36. 747, I don't even know how many episodes we've on. We've really gone off the rails uh, without Jake here. If, if no one knows, my uh, podcast studio now looks like a hurricane came through it. There's like blaring sirens behind me, people running around with papers in the background. Like we're really in crisis mode right here and we're uh, glad to have Dynasty Outhouse on the show to try and save me because the uh, X podcast is as professional as it gets. It's wonderful to listen to and it's a whole bunch of fun. I went on it once and completely ruined all of that, and so I thought uh, I'd have have you on this show so you could maybe uh, do the reverse.
0: No, I completely plan on getting my vengeance and not letting you stay on point whatsoever.
1: That's that's gonna be so easy to do, man. but <laughs> you you go for it. I think it could be fun. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah, we we honestly don't have a subject. Like um, I didn't have a subject last uh, last episode either, but. Um, like it just kind of came together at the last minute that the questions ordered up and then I was really hoping for another miracle on show two without Jake but you came on and I was like, nah, nothing turned up. Damn, Where where is my organizational miracle? But um, I think we're going to start off talking about the the question I've been asked most about on Twitter today, quite literally. Um, and that's talking about Todd Gurley and the uh, Henderson situation, as I think it's been officially called. Like, I think that's the hashtag, the Henderson situation. Okay, so with Darrell Henderson being drafted in the third round at pick six in this year's NFL draft, and actually the Los Angeles Rams trading several picks to move up to go get him, there's been a lot of concern. In this off season, the team has been more than happy to feed into... The epic spiral that is the off season of uh, thinking things have changed, even though literally nothing could have changed in the last couple of weeks. And um, to send Darrell Henderson's ADP skyrocketing, even I suggested, um, uh, like at the start of the rookie season, just after the draft, that Henderson could be a light first-round pick based off of Scott Barrett's work, um, who looks at uh, yards created by the player themselves, so taking the situation in which they got the ball into account, uh, how many of the odds were created by the player rather than the situation or the offensive line or anything else? Our house is getting a full-on version, vision here of how I talk mostly with my hands. Sorry about that. It must be kind of 3D creepy to see my hands continually claw-like reach towards you. But we're moving on. Um, since then, uh, the the there was no laughter there. I was really hoping you were going to carry me. But anyway... Um, since then, the hype has only grown to the point that Twitter is in a full-on frenzy, and even talking about Todd Gurley being a more likely backup uh, to either Malcolm Brown or uh, or Daryl Henderson. And in fact, it's become more of a battle of who which be- backup running back is actually the pick that you want instead of Todd Gurley. Now, none of them are being drafted above Todd Gurley yet, as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, but you know, it's early yet, according to ADP. But um, I know I, I don't. Based on Twitter, which is not something you should base anything off ever, um, but it's almost starting to feel like it's not long before Todd Gurley is being drafted below Daryl Henderson. Um, am I exaggerating too much about the hype going around about Henderson yes. right now, mister Outhouse? Uh, i fa-
0: I faded in now. Uh, Ryan McDowell tweeted out the June ADP, and Todd Gurley fell out of the first round. He was tied at 13th. Um Yeah, the dude's not going to be a workhorse anymore, and people think that's the end of the world. It's, um, I call it the Des Bryant paradox. Uh, Des Bryant was this big wide receiver one, and the second he started fading a bit, everyone just thought he was complete and utter trash without ever thinking, maybe he could be a solid mid-wide receiver too. Like, there's no such thing. Once you're a stud, you're a stud or you're nothing. I think Todd Gurley is not going to be a workhorse back anymore. I think that's obvious at this point. Uh, He said he's going to lose some weight to play play a little lighter, to less stress on his knees. And, I mean, Gurley, with 18 touches a game, is still a low-end running back one, high-end running back two. So, I mean, he's still super worth an early startup pick. He's maybe not worth first round anymore. But I also don't want to take shots at whoever the hell his backup's going to be, because chances are... Malcolm Brown's gonna be his backup, but then Henderson's gonna be some sort of spellback. Like he's gonna be Gio Bernard or something. And I'll I'll rather pay for later knowing what their roles are, than pay a first now for Henderson and him kind of being trash. The, not the player, just his usage.
1: Right. I don't mind if we're playing it like the Green Bay wide receiver situation where everyone almost has a shot to become and a you're top paying a third for wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers, not top 24. Let's not get crazy. Um, But there is a chance that one of them is as good as Randall Cobb. We just don't know enough about the players in that mix. So taking a shot on your favorite one in the right draft round is fine. I normally end up with Jamon Moore because that (laughs) seems to be the only guy going in the right draft round based on how I view their prospect profiles. But, you know, I'm also crazy Um, or stupid or both, one or the other. Um, But Todd Gurley himself, I think the certainty, like, this is a problem with us all having relatively small bubbles. Like, before this this increase, um, like, the big names start talking about them, um, in ADP, or at least Twitter hype started, I was very much on the Dara Henderson was a fair end of the first round pick if you really wanted to reach, almost make a statement, make an attempt at a strong upside. In this draft class, that seemed sound to me. Uh, Jake wasn't entirely on board with it, if I remember right, comparing his ranks with my ranks. But, um... Like, I understood it. Like, as you said, I don't think Henderson's ADP has gone much higher than that. And Gurley's is still at the end of the first round, which, you know, it still seems a little low to me for a guy who could, who should be a top 12 running back in 2019. But the more people say it's almost a certainty in my small bubble, the more I'm inclined to go, actually, now I want to go the other way. (laughs) Because I'm... uh What's the word? Asshole. Innovative. That's, that's a better um, word. I just don't want to do what people tell me to do. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, so the minute my, my friends are on board, I'm off boards. And that's the problem with my small bubble. As long as our ADPs are in this range, I'm probably still on the same page as everyone. But it really feels strong to me, especially looking at some of the hype around the best ball guys, who tend to drive a lot of the seasonal ADP by the time we get to August. We haven't seen our August ADP, but still that um, Gurley may even drop to the middle, mid-second and Henderson really might climb to the third round. They might Kareem Hunt it um, and hope for that bigger upside. But Kareem Hunt never had someone like Gurley in front of him. And to me, oh, I, like, if yeah. he gets that far, I'm out. Um, and just to point out what you were saying about Gurley, because, you know... I almost let you talk there for a second, sorry. Um, Top five running backs over the last uh, eight years or so have averaged about a 60% share of rushing attempts in their own offense. I tweeted out a picture like I do fairly regularly, so that means nothing to anyone even if you're paying attention to my timeline. But over the last one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, only two have had a rushing attempt share over 70%. Which is actually fairly consistent. If you look at an 18-year average, there there's more examples of over 70 or 80 percent. Like if you get towards 2000, but still between 60 and 70 percent is by far the most common. Gurley last year had about a 62 percent rushing share, I think, um, in 2018. Right, last year was 2018, but top 12 running backs only dropped by about 3 percent on average. So Gurley can stand to lose 5 percent of his rushing attempts, which is a, a substantial amount of rushing attempts, I will admit, for the Los Angeles Rams in a powerful offense that gets in the red zone a lot, but still, and still be a top 12 back. And that makes the backup running back more of a flex guy. I don't, I think people are going to start thinking that he's got Kareem Hunt upside, which could happen, but you have to assume Gurley gets injured for that. It doesn't happen unless Gurley gets injured. If he isn't injured, that he's a top 12 running back. I'm pretty confident in that. And whoever is number two is, you know, you might get two usable weeks out of them. Um does that make sense?
0: <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. Like, Henderson is good. Uh, Scott Barrett, I agree with you liking him because Scott Barrett said so. Like, I- I'm all there for that. But, I mean, Todd Gurley is still alive. And... <laughs> You know the difference between Hunt and and Henderson is that Spencer Ware and Todd Gurley aren't really the same thing. Even before Ware got hurt, I mean, we thought Hunt was taking over, but that was because the only thing in his play in in his way was Spencer Ware. And screw ex Seahawks wide receiver uh, wide receivers and running backs that go other places and end up doing really well. Just putting that out there because there's way too many of them. Uh so Henderson he could he could have some standalone value, that's fine, but no, him having what Hunt well was, I guess last year, we'll call it the year before, upside, yeah. You literally he he's not overtaking Gurley. Gurley will need to get injured and be completely out for Henderson to be a thing. And this is also overlooking the Rams' matching Malcolm Brown's offer sheet. You know, so they, they wanted him there. They paid for him to be there. So he's not nothing.
1: Do you put any stock to the problem that that happened before the draft so they didn't know they could get Henderson and now we should value him less because, you know, that happened before the draft?
0: Mm, money's money.
1: I suck at running back. That's why I'm more than open to being wrong about this. Like, there are some things with running back which are just a little atypical to logic <laughs> shall we say like um the way they use for a start but also like um if it, if it was a wide receiver or a tight end or quarterback i feel very confident in saying here's a player who's proved more than adequate in the role that he was given last year and that gives him the bump but with running back so much of the vo- volume which is what you want to start tracking to try and figure out who you want the volume but so much of the volume seems to be given rather than earned that it's almost harder for me to say that with someone like Malcolm Brown. Yeah, he did well, maybe he earned it, but if they want to give it to Henderson, Henderson just gets it. Does that make sense? Sure. Cool. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It reminds me of the Philip Lindsay situation. I know we said we're going to try and move on to rookies, but like I love Lindsay, and I love undrafted guys, and I love the outliers. Like That's how what really got me excited and started crunching stats. I said it before, but it's hard to remember some days because I end up arguing against undrafted free agents so often because the whole thing that I started to crunch was how likely was it they hit, and then how likely is it that they sustain that hit, and the numbers just get gut-wrenchingly crushing the more you look at it like I want Cameron Meredith and Tyrell Williams to be some of the most highly drafted wide receivers right now but it ain't gonna happen I don't think it's because they didn't earn or display what they needed to to really earn a big bigger or better feature role or David Moore who's going to get crushed this year based on what the team did with the draft and what they're doing with their offseason moves as well like I think these guys could I just don't think they're Julio Jones level that they're going to make the NFL give them that role. They're just good. And um, like Doug Baldwin um, was significantly better than those guys in order to make the Seahawks. And I know everyone wants to say the Seahawks are just good at giving opportunity to low drafted guys. And I'm sure they take pride in that. But Chris Carson had a thousand yard season. And the first thing they did is go out and draft a first round running back.
0: And then not play him. I mean, One of the, I mean, that's my biggest fear with Philip Lindsay. Uh, the wrist injury and missing the offseason, I think that's only a big deal because there's a change in coaching. And some people will argue that the change in coaching staff erases um, draft capital. I don't buy that. Um, I, st- I still think it matters. And the fact that the undrafted guy is missing time while the third round pick is going to be there and show why he was a third round pick. I am a big Royce Freeman fan, just to throw it out there, is is going to hurt Philip Lindsay. Uh, I'm with you. I'm all about that Cinderella story. I, I you know, Adam Thielen and all, you know, shout out Jake again. This will be a, a good thing to talk about Jake as opposed to razzing him for anything and his Thielen love. Uh, but yeah, uh, changing over with locate change over in front office with low draft capital. It to me just doesn't matter how good you were. It, it's scary you know happened with jordan howard happened with the rams three times it happened with uh i had more examples and i'm blanking now just because i don't know why but yeah i like philip Lindsay. i want him to be a thing i have zero shares of him i think at this point because it well, it's not worth the risk
1: yeah and i did just a quick search looking at like Running backs aren't comparable to Lindsay, None of these guys look very much alike. But, you know, running backs drafted outside the third round or undrafted that had 800-yard seasons. And then I looked at their market share the next year, and about 70% of them lost some market share or percentage of rushing attempts the following year um, after an 800- or above-yard rushing season. And about 50 to 53 percent, depending how you play with a sample, whether you want you know a whole career or just in their first three years or whatever. Um, but about 50 to 53 percent lose more than 10 percent. And if he loses more than 10 percent of rushing attempts, that's um, he's still a top 24 running back. But I think the upside is decidedly crushed because I think if Lindsay loses more than 10 percent, then you know it goes to Freeman. And I think it's probably more than 10%, right, if that makes logical sense. The only way I can think of him losing that much as, you know, more than 50% of kind of similar situation running backs do. um, like, the, the reasons for that are all it going to someone else, Denver focusing Royce Freeman or something else. I mean, the NFL is going to prove us that we knew nothing because every season's decidedly unpredictable, but I think reasonable assumptions um, can say Lindsay is clearly a top twenty-four running back, but he has some risk if you want to take him inside the top fifteen. Um, so yeah, undrafted guys, I'm all for. It's just I think Lindsay definitely proved he has the talent. I'm not even like I'm not the guy to be concerned with his height, size, or speed or athleticism. That's just not my process. But I have noticed a distinct trend for NFL teams to fade them at every position when they can or when they want to.
0: Well, Even just fantasy-wise, how long did it take for Doug Baldwin to actually get respect in the, in the fantasy community?
1: Right, exactly. And that's just the fantasy community. And looking at this list of undrafted or outside the first th- three-man picks, the one you want is clearly, you know, Arian Foster. Who's my guy? He's uh-huh. like my favorite running back. But um, even he, even him, I remember his market share fluctuating, the team talking about moving on from him at different times. My memory's fuzzy back in my early heydays of mm-hmm. playing fantasy, and that's when Foster was, Foster was really going. But, like, um, the other names on this list are Jordan Howard. You can't say the team show much consistency. And before you talk about targets, let's not pretend NFL coaches care about targets as much as fantasy players do. Alfred Morris... Um, he had great seasons as a rusher, not a catcher. And again, these aren't these players aren't comparing to Philip Lindsay. It's just these players proved to be quality, but the team was more than willing to move on. Devonte Freeman is probably the other highest note I see on this list, um, and the team seems to be invest- keeping up faith with him. To be fair, um,
0: I mean they did go and spend on Coleman. They just held on to Freeman longer.
1: The NFL fades unicorns at a faster rate of knots than it fades drafted unicorns, if that makes
0: sense. Um, All right, since we're talking about adding, unicorns, what's your unicorn in the first round of rookie drafts?
1: Look at you trying to keep me on track. There you go. I love you so much. I let you
0: ramble for a little bit, but we're going to get this back on track. who who's who's a rookie you're not leaving the first round without
1: um jj sega Whiteside is the guy i'm getting mid to late like after the fifth pick there's really no one tempting me more than jj unless you know i want some exposure to those tight ends um who's your guy
0: well i do love me some sega and i get him i say i said first round but really anywhere between like the 110 to the 202 you know sega's my guy in that area um Zack Reed has ruined me and I now love Paris <laughs> right. Campbell.
1: Right, right, there is a <laughs> there is a, you know, uh, I've got the feeling that the pit of doom is waiting uh on the ground ahead of me in the 2019 season. I'm going to fall into another dark, dank Michael Thomas uh Chasm. But I'm remaining strong. I'm sticking through the process. We're working through it in therapy. But yeah, um, yeah. Paris Campbell worries me from a sometimes you just can't see a player coming. It's a really rare event <laughs> that a player produces that poorly compared to others in the way I evaluate how they perform compared to others. Um, but uh, it happens. See, the flaw um, in your you process
0: know. is that you actually have a process in the first place.
1: There you go. I should just draft who's actually Just
0: make, well, yes, know. that is that is brilliant. But also, you make it up as you go along. <laughs> and if you just keep talking, people will forget that you were wrong twenty minutes ago. I feel like that's my I, that's my mantra. I just found... keep talking.
1: It, isn't that the most tilting? That's <laughs> the most frustrating thing about trying to do this. Like a lot, it's like everyone can say whatever they want, and next year, even if they admit to saying it, it's like a dulled comeuppance. Like everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Like it, the like if the power of getting it wrong was next week i think people will be slammed with it so hard but right now you can say like paris Campbell produced well and doesn't matter if two weeks later i'm on a podcast saying actually he didn't produce well at all i mean he might fit through that gap i'm more than willing to admit there are things i can't see in numbers that are that other people are evaluating that i can't get numbers on but like god i try like one of my favorite things is admitting what went wrong and trying to find out what went wrong. And then if I can't, like, really tilting over the fact that I can't see Michael <laughs> Thomas coming, I still could not see Michael Thomas coming unless I just went Drew Brees. Like that's the only <laughs> thing that would save me. And that you know I can't do that every year. <laughs> like, um, but
0: that's the best part about Dynasty. You could always be like, no, no, no. It it it, take, it needs time. Just you know, you can you can't judge yet. You can't judge yet. Third year breakout. No, sometimes it happens in the fourth. I mean, come on. Yeah,
1: right. Don't embrace the hot take. Embrace the hot failure. That's where the fun is, guys. Come in on this. Speaking of which, who is the guy you're finally admitting... Look at me, segueing. Um, Love it. That you were wrong on, that you can finally cut from your rosters, that you're going to stop holding out that long-shot hope so you can add some more long-shot hopes? Uh,
0: 2016 wide receivers that are not named Michael Thomas or Sterling Shepard. Just in general. Uh, like I was... I was, well, no, I, besides them, because, you know, clearly they're awesome and or very good. But, yeah, Corey Coleman and Josh Stockton. I'm willing just to say goodbye at this point. Whether that means dropping them from my team to go pick up, uh, show a favorite, Greg Dorch, like I'm about to do in one of right, my right. leagues. <laughs> um, hopefully, you know, my waiver claim goes through tomorrow before you release this and people in my league listen. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or if it just means, <laughs> I'll make sure to talk really long so you have to edit. Uh, either whether it means actually dropping them or just not expecting anything from them anymore, that I'm finally there.
1: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm fully on board with that. I, I like the idea that you've got a year limit, like that's similar to the rules I have when I'm looking through and who can I trim or you know try to trade for a third or whatever. Um, getting past that third year is a big strong mark for me. The more draft capital, the worse it is. I think you can hold on to some of those lower drafted guys a little longer because yeah. it takes longer for them to get opportunity. That makes sense to me. But the higher drafted they are, the su- the more militant I am about cutting them by that third year if they haven't done much. Um, injuries as well. Like it shouldn't be true, but but if you get your early years cut short by injuries, the hit rate after that is still not great even if they recover and still have a first-round draft capital. It just seems so I should
0: uh, let go of my Kevin White shares, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I should probably do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have any. I'm just kidding. Do you have any tight end or running back rules? or is it, It's a lot easier to make them with wide receiver. That's why I'm asking.
0: No. I, tight ends, honestly, I will always have like eight of them on my squad. Just right, because right. Who, who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll have the two that I plan on starting, and then I'll have 18 shares of Caleb Wilson on my, you know, for the next five years.
1: <laughs> um, speaking of which, you mentioned Greg Dorch, but I want to throw you a, a curveball out here. Like, who's the guy, like, one of the things we always end up saying way too late into the offseason is, by the way, don't forget to pick up last year's players instead of this year's players. Because they have been in the NFL a while, and it seems we always wait till we've added them. I think that's the trick. So I want to get it out here right now. Who's the guy from last year or the year before, any position, that you're actually trying to add instead of, you know, the Greg Dorchers of this year's class?
0: I mean, I had a lot of Dan Arnold uh, on my team, but, you know, the Jared Cook thing might have killed that. Though, I mean, Cook's like a 100 in football years, even though he's like 27. So I'm still... I have I'm holding on to my Dan Arnold shares just because the dude looked pretty good. He dropped the ball a few times in the end zone no less, but he looked super athletic and Jared Cook hasn't hanged around hang around it hanged around. Those are words anywhere. Jared. Yeah. Don't correct me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so cold. I loved it. <laughs> he hasn't been on one team for all that long. Uh so There's no reason for him to stay on this team for all that long. So there's a chance he'll be something. So I have a lot of him. I wanted Jake Butt to be a thing so bad that got killed. Right. Right. Uh, Um, I'm trying to scroll through Same with Jeff
1: Heumann, same depth chart. Um,
0: Yeah. Um, Steven Anderson uh, is on the Patriots, and now Austin Safarian Jenkins is not.
1: Have people forgotten about Mark Andrews yet? Like, I'm waiting no. for that to happen. So I Yeah, that's not going to
0: happen. Uh, that's oh, just okay. not going to happen.
1: Oh, it'll no, no, happen. Just you know, I'll just wait for it. Like, everyone's forgotten about Max Williams now. Um, how about Adam Shaheen? Is he forgotten in the dust yet?
0: Yes. He, uh, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. But, I, I mean, I have a lot of – I have a decent amount of shares because I was a fan of him before. And, well, I did buy into the Trey Burton hype a bit. I never let go of Shaheen. And towards the end of last year, once he was healthy, they used him right away.
1: Malcolm Mitchell uh, certainly isn't an option.
0: (laughs) I was a big Um, fan of him.
1: Rashard Higgins is a name that's still kind of under the wire for me. I think he's done enough. And obviously in Cleveland, man, you can't project any opportunity. It's just he's done well in the league um, with what he's been given. He's getting to that third-year line, but he's someone I'm holding on to. I mentioned a lot of these guys last episode, so I don't want to go over it again.
0: I put a bid on him. Higgins in the same league I put a big on, a bid on Dortch.
1: I keep feeling like uh you've got a name stashed and you don't want to tell us because of all your trade addict leagues
0: oh I'm not that clever we've
1: got nothing to go out on <laughs> um, well and, let's talk
0: about uh let's talk about uh
1: yeah I thought it was interesting especially because I'm really I've learned I'm terrible at trading I, I've got a few and you know I'm trying to learn in Trade x seven and listening to you guys on your podcast because I kind of suck at it like Jake's a master of it but, like, I have my value lines, and, like, I'm bad for several different reasons. One is I target players, and I know you're not meant to, but, like, if I want something, I just send offers on. Like, I don't spam or send out voluminous numbers of trade offers because I want I want that thing. I want that guy, and so that's why I go and try and buy. And I, I get that's bad process. I'm learning that's bad process. And the other thing is, like, I have a value line, and if the trade seems to be over that, I'm like, sure. Like I'm, I'm the I can be the easiest or the hardest guy to trade with in the world, depending on whether you just hit my personal random value line. Like, um, it, I don't think either are particularly good for being a quote unquote good trader.
0: Mm, there's absolutely nothing wrong with either of those. Uh, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I do well, both. There is, like,
1: in that you see Jake jumping around building a mega team with his trades, and I'm sat there with like Nikhil, Harry, Christian, Kirk going, well. Guess I'm in productive struggle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, if maybe you only do uh, trade offers for specific guys that you're looking for, as opposed right. to just trying to gain value in the non-point scoring season, that it's not bad. It's just not helping, I guess, to say. <laughs> <laughs> to try and make it sound nicer than it really is uh, when you're sitting and watching Jake build his monster. Uh, but no, I absolutely will. I, I have... In Trade Addicts five, I've been going hard after Devontae Freeman. Like I have I've been building I've built this team to where I'm I'm pushing for this year and I think Devontae Freeman's a great this year piece. And like I offered three trades within like a month, let's just say. And then this guy counters with something that's just like, Why the hell would I pay that for Devontae Freeman? And he's like, You clearly want him, so you're gonna have to pay for him. I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> you know he has a value and i i will pay his value but i'm not dumb <laughs> and that goes to what you were saying before you have your value line and if he offered me something that maybe i'm not thrilled with but was within the value of me still getting him and being happy with having him on my team i would absolutely do it but he's he was asking for way over that value line so I was just like never mind i know i want him but no like you know i'm a trade addict but i'm not stupid <laughs>
1: I think we've got several perfect outs right there. One, where you're trying to be nice while telling me, yeah, you're right, you're bad at this. And two, that last line there, like I'm an addict but not stupid, I think that's pretty good too. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, I think I'll get out here just because uh, you have a family and a life. And, you know, yeah, but they're all sleeping. Do, if they still recognize me, um, I do too. So, um, and mostly it's a fear of having to edit this down to 30 minutes that's got me going. But if there's anything else you want to mention or hype, like, is there something going on that you're doing right now? Like, we I haven't talked really... about Scott Fishbowl 9. How excited are you for that? Let's go.
0: Literally jumped out of my chair when that email came in. Right. Uh, right. Le- last year, I had to wait like three weeks into the invites before I got mine. This year, uh, we're in that uh, group chat DM with like, 50 dudes and i forgot who it was but they got their invite and they're like oh invites go out and i'm like oh man oh man i can't yeah am i gonna get mine what's going on and then ding oh that suspense didn't last very long (laughs) like i got mine like instantly and i'm just like i jump out of my chair and i'm at work and i'm like there's no human being in my vicinity that i can go and tell what just happened and they won't look at me like i'm a crazy person
1: that's that's the problem with fantasy, actually, because there's literally no one in real life. Most of us know that would understand any any of it. They "What are you talking about, dude? You still play that?" I thought that's something nine year olds do.
0: Well, it's not even like I have home leagues. It's just that they like my home leagues don't use Twitter. It's like that's that's how much of a home league it is. So they they have no idea what the Scott Fish Bowl is. They have no idea who Scott Fish is. They, they so it's just like, what, Oh, what's that? what's well, this really big tournament with all these people and all this stuff? They're like, Oh, I mean, with all those people, why is, why is that even fun? I hate you. God
1: damn it. You don't, <laughs> you don't get this. St- you don't have the stuff and that's okay. But, uh, you don't have, speaking of which I'm really bad at lots of things, including actually telling anyone listening to us things that, you know you might need to know about this podcast one is that we have a jake managed to earn us a golden ticket from scott fish so if you want into the scott fish ball all you have to do is leave a rating and review of the dynasty crossroads and dm the the crossroads handle at dino crossroads and a picture of that with your name and screenshot and email and stuff like that and you could win a golden ticket to get in the scott fish ball so make sure
0: you do that because, um, you know, Jake's all professional and business like and stuff. Um And wait, speaking of, start hitting up Jake at Jake Anderson F and at Fantasy Graphics for your Scott Fishbowl uh avatar for Twitter.
1: That that's why you're here, man that and so many other reasons. Um yeah, I was also gonna say we I see t shirts posted a lot specifically by you, Mr. Outhouse. We do have t shirts for the crossroads are available on Twitter, but what I was actually gonna say is the Scott Fishbowl t shirts are now out. While I like it when oh, people so buy beautiful. ours, those are really, really cool. You've got a you've got a like a Sega design and then you've got one that looks like Sal. It looks like um at two QB um the guy who runs 2 because just the it's guy. mario <laughs> and see uh, yeah and it, it no it's sound. and seeing his bright and shiny face streak across a shirt is just something i think everyone should experience so go to rotoware or go to scott Fishball website and check out those t-shirts Um, those are the ones i think we should all go buy because all the money goes to fantasy cares which you know is something we can all do to feel a little bit better about spending so much time playing fantasy football so check those out anything else dude
0: uh no i was gonna start rambling about something else completely unrelated to keep this podcast going but i think i'll uh no all um... right so i just got i got offered branding cooks for tyler boyd in the 2021st my problem is that makes sense value-wise what is it I... With
1: sorry i keep interrupting you dude finish
0: no, what the 2021st offers it's because everyone already spent their 2020s and we don't know what else to do <laughs> that's that's all the right. real answer this is now no, the future first. I was going to
1: ask about Brandon Cook's value. It seems so cold.
0: Because nobody knows so what to do. Twitter hates Brandon Cook's, but he is very good at football and produces every single year. The problem is I am ruined on Tyler Boyd. I love him for some, like way too much for some reason. And while I understand the two of them aren't necessarily comparable as NFL players, like Tyler Boyd put up as many points as... Brandon Cooks did, and I don't know if that's something that can consistently happen, but Boyd missed time. He had A.J. Green up and down, but he also still did well regardless if A.J. Green was on the field or not. Uh, And there's another guy that was a third-year breakout that, you know, you should have held on to, which I I didn't draft him in the first place, so I didn't have to hold on to him or not.
1: I was going to say, you don't have to convinced me on Tyler Boyd. He's one of the ones that hit last year, which, that's one of my problems right now. All my sleepers, like, uh, hit. <laughs> Apart from Leonte. That's Carew, not a problem. <laughs> but, like, Boyd hit last year, and who else was it that I'd been hanging on to and arguing for, with for years? But they all just had good seasons. Apart from Rashad Penny, obviously, and Leonte Carew. I really um, think
0: you do not have a hard time ever finding something to argue about. That's true. That's, that's part that's of your charm. A,
1: that's, that's a God's honest truth. Right um, and <laughs> Uh, I guess it's going to be Whiteside and Isabella for the next three years. Let's face it, Uh, or Nikhil Harry, and DJ Moore. Like uh, it doesn't matter
0: if if Sega does anything this year. The fact that Alshon's going to be gone after this year, his value is going to skyrocket.
1: Harry and DJ Moore are actually too highly drafted. They they can't they can't be it. They can't be it. But um, yeah, Curtis Samuel
0: guy maybe. I I I mean, Uh, I think. Well, yeah. If you don't like Paris, then you don't like Curtis Samuel. They're practically the same thing. <laughs> okay. You heard
1: it here first, folks. Uh, Mr. Ant House declared that Curtis Samuel is exactly the same thing as Paris Campbell. I don't know if that's good or bad or what, but whatever it is, that's what Or it if it's is. even
0: true. I just felt like saying it. It's not true, but, you know, they went to the same school, so it's fine.
1: Right, right. right. I'll just cut that bit out. It's
0: fine. And... <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in. It's fine.
1: I'm going to leave it all in. I'm seriously thinking this will be our first unedited podcast. Cause I Absolutely, just drop the, it. Uh...
0: Except for that like blank when you were looking something up. Maybe you want to cut that out a little bit.
1: <laughs> and that bit where you just mentioned it. No, leave that <laughs> oh, no, part, you leave, leave in. that in. Leave that yeah. in, right. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, like the... learning, I'm learning the Trade Addicts way. Um, I'm on my way to become an expert trader, or if not politely uh, told that I'm bad at training. And also an expert podcaster. I appreciate You, you do so much. Uh, you do so much for me out house. I appreciate it but um, thanks for coming on I really appreciate you trying to fill in for Jake here and providing some sort of stability because without Jake seriously the sirens people running around in the background it's like someone just declared nuclear war it looks like the war room probably will when whenever that happens which I think is due pretty soon actually that should be exciting
0: you're probably the next month or two. Uh,
1: thanks for trying to save me for myself. I really appreciate you and Jesse from last week. Hopefully I'll be able to have both of you on again um, because we are predicting many, many weeks where Jake isn't going to be able to be available because, you know, kids and family are kind of important or whatever. I guess. Um, so hopefully we'll see you again and um, you'll be able to teach me some more stuff about podcasting oh, yeah. and trading. I appreciate that. Um, Any and also about time. Why, why my office sucks. That'd be great. Um, so thanks dude, I really appreciate it Um, check out Dynasty Outhouse at Dynasty Outhouse one of the most underappreciated thing about Dynasty Outhouse is that his trade handle or Twitter handle rather is actually his name Dynasty Outhouse Uh, I think more of us should do that frankly instead of the FF and the underscores we should all be called our names, that'd be great so should I start Um, calling you Pa? (laughs) I really should have asked you why? how your parents knew to call you Dynasty Outhouse, like, where that second name comes from and shit. But, well, Outhouse um, is
0: a family name, you know. Uh, Dynasty, yeah. like, that's why I, I fell into Dynasty Fantasy Football just because I knew it would fit.
1: That's what I would have done. <laughs> most rambling pod ever and also the most rambling outro ever. I think we're just about hitting perfection here, dude. Um, but Love yeah, it, again, dude. I'm sorry I'm not great at this. Uh, come on again when Jake's around, if nothing else, and he'll, like, uh... Sh- Show you he knows what he's doing, and, and we weird.
0: will do our best to derail him from trying to do that.
1: Obviously, <laughs> let's go, man. Let's just <laughs> say goodbye, Peter. <laughs> Bye.
0: <laughs> You're at the dynasty crossroads that film analytics create. The
1: dynasty crossroads. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that
0: tape It's the dynasty crossroads where film is everything
1: The dynasty crossroads where numbers are the key There may not be
0: consensus, but we'll give you everything